0: My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. And uh, just before this service, I heard a joke so cheesy, I think I have to say it. Um, So thank you, Claire. Uh, But the the question is, who is the most financially savvy woman in Scripture? And the answer is Pharaoh's daughter, because she went to the bank of the Nile and she pulled out a profit. It's rough, but it's pretty good. It's like dad joke of the year material. Um, All right. So we got to get started uh, on, on an also not so serious note, but that's okay. I have a question for you. Do you know what this is? Any idea? Any idea at all? It's not a credit card. It's better than a credit card. This is a homies hot pot and sushi VIP gold card. Okay? Now, you may be asking, what is a Homie's Hot Pot VIP card? What does that do? And the answer is every time I go to Homie's Hot Pot and I bring this card with me, I get 15% off of my meal. What did you do to receive such a card, Zach? Did you do some kind of complimentary consulting work with their company on the side and they just wanted to reward you with this honor? Do you know the owner? Do you know a manager? Do you know one of the higher-ups? Or are you just such a frequent customer that they were like, you, you get 15% off every time you walk in here. You know how I got my homie's hot pot and sushi? Don't forget and sushi. Gift card, sorry, VIP card. I ate at homie's hot pot one time. And I enjoyed my delicious meal. And I walked up to the counter And as I was checking out, the guy's like, hey, do you want one of these? And I said, I don't know, what's it do? And he said, well, anytime you bring it in, you get 15% off. And I said, do I have to do anything? And he said, no, you can just have it. And I said, okay. (laughs) And now I have a VIP gold card for homies hot pot and sushi. Let that marinate. We'll come back to that. Um, Today... We're kind of tiptoeing into our series on John, so this is sort of our first one, but we're going to be bouncing back and forth between John and Matthew because the Gospels make one whole story, and when you put these two stories together, you see the continuity between them, uh, but if you don't do that, there might be some questions raised, so we're going to explain a little bit of that. But what we're talking about today is what does it mean to follow Jesus We've been talking about discipleship. We've been talking about making disciple makers, but it's kind of important that we even know what that is. What is it to be a disciple of Jesus? What is it to follow Jesus? And so today I wanna start in John 1, 35 through 42. And here's what it says. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples, and this is John the Baptist. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ or Savior. This is the guy that everybody's waiting for, right? Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Sephas, which means Peter or Little Rock pebble, right? And so he gives him a nickname. Now, we got to jump over to Matthew, and we got to kind of piece this together, right? Matthew takes off maybe the next day, right? So what's happened here is, let's just go ahead and read it. We'll talk about it. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, and they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called to them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. So this is the next day after Andrew and Pete, now Peter, have gone to meet Jesus and Jesus is now seeing them the next day when they've left and now they're out doing their day job and he says, no, I want you to come follow me. I want you to come and be my disciple. I'm gonna be your rabbi, your teacher, and you're gonna be my students. And so then as they're leaving, they see James and John, they come along too. Let's jump back over to John 1:43 through 51. It says the next day, but this is the same day because we've gone to two different gospels here, so this is the same day. Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this? Just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree, you will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth you will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man than uh, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Okay. That's a lot. Why are we talking about this? Because I want to look at what it looks like to start following Jesus. When I look at Andrew and Peter and James, and John, and Philip, and Nathaniel. That's not all the disciples, but it's a good start, and it's enough to get the point across. Andrew. Andrew is a disciple of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is said by Jesus to be the greatest man alive. Jesus says this. He says he's great. He's awesome. So wouldn't it be a good thing to be following John the Baptist? It's a perfectly good thing to do. He's also a fisherman on the side. That's how he makes his money. And his brother Peter, he's a fisherman as well. What about James and John? They're fishermen. It's a good job, it makes a living. It's not great, it's fine. They can take care of their family, and we know they have family because they're fishing with their dad, Zebedee. And what do they all do? They leave everything they have behind their jobs, their rabbi. Their dad, whatever it is for them, they realize, "I'm going to go follow Jesus. It's the same with Nathaniel and Philip. We don't get as much story on what Nathaniel and Philip are doing before, but when they see Jesus, they're like, "This is the guy." And they leave their lives behind and they go follow Him. Everything. Why am I bringing this up? Why is this worth mentioning? Because there's a story that starts kind of like this one, but ends very differently. There's this rich young ruler, and he goes and he finds Jesus. And he says, good teacher. He says, how do I have eternal life? How can I have it? And Jesus says, why are you calling me good? He says, only God's good. I like how he slides that in every once in a while. You know, it's like his own little, own little plug on who he is, Right? But then he says, okay, so you want eternal life. He says, well, have you obeyed all the commandments? You know, don't murder, don't commit adultery, honor your father and mother, don't be deceitful. And he says, I've done it all. I've done all those things since I was a boy, since I was a kid. I've done all that. And Jesus said, well, there's one thing in you lacking. He says, you've got to go and take everything you own and sell it and then give the money to the poor. And he just can't do it. And so he hangs his head low and he walks away. And Jesus looks at the other disciples and he says, it's gonna be so hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, it will be so difficult for a wealthy person to enter the kingdom of heaven that it would be more possible to fit a camel through the eye of a needle. And the disciples look at each other and go, then it's impossible. And Jesus says, yep. With men, it is impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. That's huge. Why does that matter? Because Jesus takes the things down inside of us that are standing between him and us, and he brings them to the forefront, and he puts it right in front of us, and he says, what are you going to do with this? This is not a sermon on going home and selling all of your stuff. I don't know you personally. Maybe that is the thing holding you back from Jesus. But I know that Jesus doesn't tell the same story to everybody that wants to follow him. One man wants to come follow him and Jesus says, well, you know you're gonna be homeless, right? You know that I don't have a place to call my home. The, the, the son of man has no place to lay his head. Another man says, I wanna follow you, but I, I gotta go bury my dad first. He just died. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. You come now or you don't come at all. Because he knew that if the guy didn't commit right then, he's never going to come. Jesus looks at the masses and he says, you want to follow me? Then come take up your crosses and come die. Because that's what this means, to follow me. And they all knew what that meant. And they didn't want any part of it. And so they all left him except for the 12, right? Jesus takes that thing down inside of us, whether it's a relationship or a friendship or a job or our wealth, our status, whatever it is for you. Jesus is looking inside of each one of us and he's saying, if you're going to come follow me, then I need you to look at that thing that's standing between you and me and you've got to get rid of it. You've got to tear it down. You've got to do away with it. The thing is, following Jesus means something. It's not just nothing. Now, back in Rome, if you were to stand up and confess your faith and be baptized publicly, because you're gonna be doing it in like some public river or something, right? If you're gonna make this declaration, if you get caught by Roman officials at the right time, it's your life. They knew that. They knew that following Jesus meant this could be the death of me. That's kind of foreign to us because we don't really see that in our part of the world. But y'all, today, if you live in certain parts of Africa or Asia, it's your head to follow Jesus Christ. It is your life that they will take from you. You may be tortured. You may die over believing Jesus. Following Jesus, right? Following Jesus means something. But the funny thing is, even though that's all happening in the world today, there's still people walking around flashing their VIP card going, I'm a Christian. Because I said a magic prayer once, and I accepted the Lord into my heart. And then after that, I never talked to him again, (laughs) never prayed, never changed. No change ever took place in that person. They didn't do anything differently. They just got their get-out-of-jail-free card. Because they were there, and they got asked, do you want it? And they were like, well, yeah, I guess. I don't want to go to hell. And then that was it. Maybe they visit Jesus once or twice a year on Easter and Christmas and say, hey, how you doing? Just wanted to make sure things are kosher with us. you know." Or maybe things get really bad in their life, and they've tried everything, and nothing fixes it. So they're like, well, I guess I'll go pray to God. He's just like my last-ditch effort, right? Or maybe they look at their parents and their parents were Christians and they go, well, I guess I'm a Christian or they look at their grandma or grandpa or some distant relative and well, they were Christian so I must be Christian too. And your whole identity is just based on that stuff, a bunch of nothing. It's just a title. It's just a meaningless thing to call yourself. I'm a VIP card holder at Homie's Hot Pot and Sushi. So are a million other people in India and they've probably never gone back. The question is, what do you do after this transformation in your life, after this decision to follow? And do you recognize when you follow that that means maybe laying down everything? Think about Paul. Paul talks about following Christ and he says I have to become less and less and he has to become more and more. I think about Paul saying things like I do the things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I want to do and he's praying to God and he's asking God please like take away these things in me that I know are are standing between me and you I can't do it and Jesus says Paul my grace is sufficient. I guess I'm thinking about each one of us. When we try and tear down the strongholds in our lives, the, the walls that we've built up between us and Jesus, that when we want to go follow Jesus, there's still things that we're holding onto from our old self that we're going, I can't lay that down. I've tried to lay that down. I've tried to lay that addiction down. I've tried to lay that, hobby down, or, or, or that relationship, or, or that, that friendship that's dragging me down and taking me away from Jesus, or that job that's stopping me from being able to, to help people in the way I want to, or that location I live in. I, I've tried to lay those things down, but I just can't. I just can't. I don't know what to do. I think back to that conversation between Jesus and his disciples about the rich man entering heaven. And the d- disciples say, well, then it's impossible. No one could ever get into heaven. And Jesus says, right. With men, it is impossible. But with God, anything is possible. And so the question is, do you recognize what it means to follow? Do you recognize that following Jesus is, is this understanding that we're going to mess up daily. We're going to get it so wrong. We're going to fail miserably over and over again. And each time we do, we go back to God and we say, Lord, I know that you will forgive me because you're gracious and you're good. And please help me do right this time. Please help me get rid of everything standing between me and you today. Paul talks about being a living sacrifice in the Bible. What does that even look like? A sacrifice that's alive? It means that it's putting itself to death constantly. It means we're putting our sin to death constantly. It means every day we look at our lives and we go, I gotta be different today. I gotta change today. And so my question to you is this. When you look at your life, have you ever changed for Jesus? Because if you haven't, that's a big red flag. And it may be time to get real with yourself and to get real with him and say, I've got to start making some changes in my life. I've got to start making myself more like you because you've given me a job to do and that's to go spread your gospel, to go spread your word to the people out there that need to hear it and they need to see me live in this thing that I'm talking about. And that's what happens when we come to follow Jesus. We recognize that we may lose everything for him but he's worth it. Jesus says, The one that hangs on to his life, the one that tries to hang on to it, he's the one that loses it. But the one that gives it up, they're the one that finds their life. That's crazy when we think about it. But when we see it in those terms, we don't know what's best for us. He does. And we need to look at him and we need to sit down at the feet of our teacher and say, Lord, teach me. I don't know anything. Teach me everything. I'll give up anything for you. I'll follow you into the dark. I will go wherever you go, even if I can't see the end. That's what we're being called to do when we follow Jesus. It's going to be hard, but don't be dismayed because all things are possible with God. So go with God and rely on Him every step of the way. It's all about maintaining that relationship and coming back to Him, coming back to the true source of life. And He will give you the power and He will show you the way. To be Jesus in your corner of culture,